Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Our guest today is Steve Gambrell, and Steve is the Executive Vice President for the Mississippi Valley AGC Chapter. Steve, thanks for being here. Lynn, thanks so much. Um, I'm excited about being here and getting to discuss a few things about big construction, big infrastructure in this mighty Mississippi River that the world envies. Well, how did you land at the Mississippi Valley AGC Chapter? What brought you to that spot? I'm a civil engineer graduate, Clemson University, and um, I worked in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia until about 1988, and I came over to the Vicksburg District for the Corps of Engineers. The United States Army Corps of Engineers. Yes, and uh, loved it because I'd, I'd gone through all the offices, the engineering, the regulatory, just every office in the Corps. At that time, it was an intern program for engineers coming in, mm-hmm. and I loved construction. Uh, ops was great, too, but ops was a big animal. Construction, you saw it. I was on... A, lo- a dam on the Savannah River, Richard B. Russell. We built a powerhouse on the back of that thing. We placed 1,500 yards of concrete. Unbelievable And steel when you're structure. at that age, it's like, wow, this is exciting stuff. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And it ruined me because <laughs> all I wanted to do at that time and from then on is be on big construction. And inside the core, sometimes that's a problem. That you can get bogged down in a lot of other little things, huh? There are so many things you can do, and sometimes they're unrelated to productive activity. So how did you make the transition from the core to association work then? And so I moved over to the Vicksburg District and the, Missi- and the Mississippi Valley Corps of Engineers on the Red River building $2 billion worth of locks. Wow. And so, again, I'm ruined Johnson Massman was locking down four. Perennio and G locking down five on the Red River. We got to build those two together. Wow. Same time. Wow. They hadn't done that before. They built one, they built two, they built three, and then four and five at the same time in less time and for less money each than any of the other three. Amazing. It was. And I got to see how a federal organization like the Corps could perform when. Congress set date, time, and place to move navigation. And they set it. The Corps delivered it with Johnson, Massman, Perennio, and G. What a great opportunity for you to be around those projects. How old were you then? At the, this like I was late a 30s, kid. 40s, 30s, a kid? Yes. Yeah. I it had to be a blast. It was, it was fun. And so on those projects, we started – a partnering relationship with AGC. And so I was the one that wrote the partnering language for the contracts because the chief of construction at that time, Dan Renfro, looked at me and said, we need language in the contracts for partnering to make it more formal. Now, 
the lawyer said they can't make it formal. And so we made it what we could. And there, on those locks and dams, partnering was born for us. And partnering is such an important thing, especially with public agencies and private contractors, to really make sure that everybody understands their roles and realize they are partners in completing the project for the public. It absolutely works, but it takes work. I mean, both sides, it's a constant challenge to keep it alive, to keep it moving, to keep people together. It's not a piece of paper. Never is a piece of paper. The piece of paper gives you the guidelines. Somebody has to put the energy in it. Mm -hmm. It's all about people at the end of the day. The same thing that it is today in the environment that we work and live in, you can't deliver a project without these relationships. You can, but it's not fun, and mm-hmm. it costs way too much to do it that hard way. Exactly. It, it just works so much better when everybody is communicating and it's not my way or the highway. We can work out things, whether it's value engineering, whether it's understanding schedule delays, all those sort of things. Weather is such a big issue. Exactly. And so my mentality through all of that was build it. Do infrastructure. Because when you do, the nation benefits. Not only ours, but others. And so my whole career in the Corps was focused on getting things done. I counted at one time when I retired from the Corps, January 2015, 2016, that I had been involved in $37 billion worth of projects, infrastructure investment. And I was happy with that. Our biggest challenge at that time during those building years was you can't keep up with me. We're talking to Washington. Mm -hmm. We can build it faster than you can send us money. And that was a great challenge. And, of course, they took it as a challenge as well. And when I say Washington, I'm talking about our Congress, and I'm talking about our Corps of Engineers headquarters, because they were responsible for getting that money to the field. And so it was a constant push, us driving the train of getting things, getting dirt moved, getting things built, and them trying to make sure the money was there. Because as you know, you stop construction when the money dries up. Yep. And there's no doubt that the need is there. I think people take what goes on on our river system so much for granted They watch the barges go up and down. They see whatever they see. I don't think they really have a concept of the economic impact of that river traffic, how much it means, not just for jobs, for construction, but the whole economy of the nation. We don't. uh, Most of the time, over our careers, the United States has turned their back on the big river systems. And looked at it as industrial and like we do many times in the industrial parts of our towns and cities and so now people are turning more toward the river and using it as an asset with parks and ingress and opportunity to get on and off the river with kayaks not always the smartest idea but (laughs) controlled environments you can do that but we're our transportation rate saving is over six billion a year I mean, it's just insane how much value that system is. I've been in 33 countries, and a lot of times I'm out there with them looking at their infrastructure. They're always asking questions. They want to know about dredging. They want to know about channels. They want to know about water storage and management. 
and they envy us in this great river. They do ask one question, and they come over here to uh, other countries come over here, and we'll meet with them, and they'll they'll they all have this same question in the back of their mind. And I finally just say, ask your questions. I know what you're thinking. And they said, no, you don't. I said, well, ask it. Why do you let all this water pass by you without capturing it? Interesting. Yes. And what they're saying is, you've got irrigation issues, you've got groundwater issues, you could move and store much of this water in high water times. Right. Capture it, use it effectively. And they're right. We just haven't put all the pieces in place to do that effectively. We will, eventually, when the Sparta aquifers of the world and the multi-state aquifers start causing, yet again, fights between states and lawsuits. And I'm sure the Corps has a master plan of how this all could work They do with the resources to put it in place. They do. And so when I retired, you asked the question in, in January 2016, I went to work with an organization called the Mississippi Valley Flood Control Association, happened to be housed with the Mississippi Valley Associated General Contractors of America. Same office, and they had been for 75, 80 years and Mm -hmm. still are. And so I've been the exec for the Flood Control Association since the day I retired. And then shortly after that, Freddie Rush retired Mm -hmm. from Mississippi Valley AGC, and they asked me to interview for the job, and I did so in and now, like it was in 1980, the exec works in both offices. And you really have a super unique situation in that most AGC chapters are in one state or maybe two states. But you're looking at the whole Mississippi River work that goes on up and down the entire length of the river. Am I correct? You're exactly right. And most... Um, we are so different. All chapters are different, and we're learning that more and more as we do executive leadership things at AGC with National. We see that more and more, but we are so unique that St. Paul all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, that's our footprint. And so you're dealing with 12 states, and but we only deal with the river stuff. We're dredging channels, dikes, locks, and dams. We don't deal with anything outside no of that. No bridges, none of that stuff. We hand that off to the local state AGC chapters. But there's plenty of work to be done oh. just maintaining that channel and maintaining that economic backbone right up and down the middle of the country. A wild, uh, just an easy estimate is a trillion dollars worth. There's a trillion dollars worth of work that needs to be done in that river system. And some people say that's a lot of money, but when you're talking about a corridor to the world like it is, it's not a lot of money. We have one project called the Mississippi River Tributaries Project, pretty much St. Louis down to the Gulf of Mexico. Its return on investment is 105 to 1. Wow. It's been going on for 90 years. It'll be 100 years old in about seven years now. 105 to 1. This is a federal project authorized. It's about $5 billion left in finishing that one project. At 105 to 1, it's a no-brainer. Well, I know talking to people like the soybean folks, you know, that Brazil made a tremendous investment in the Amazon, and that really helped, that really turned the whole soybean supply market around across the world because of the investment they made in the river system. Absolutely, and I've been in Brazil, and 
and spoken at their conferences and, and dealt with Anna and others, developed an MOU with folks in that country to help them understand better how to do things. Their big challenge is infrastructure. Finding. The road and movement infrastructure just causes them nightmares. Water, road, and the combination of the two. But for that, they would be world dominant. What sort of things keep you up at night? What sort of issues are you facing as the executive vice president for the Mississippi Valley AGC? Where's your board headed or have their eye on for goals they're trying to accomplish? Because of our uniqueness in this river world, the number three watershed in the, on the planet, the Mississippi River watershed, because of that, our big challenges are, are around making sure investments are made in that system. Now, I'm talking about major investments of rebuilding 80, 90-year-old locks and dams designed for 50 years. We've got so many that need to be completely rehabilitated. They're losing so much impact by having to break down those barges and take them through outdated locks and put them back together and take them apart and put them back together. That's got to hold up commerce. It does, and it costs money, um, and that money is is moved on to us, our consumers, and it's also moved on to our global footprint, our ability to market that product. So that keeps us up. I mean, being able, and I gave you the story about you can't outspend me idea of making sure the money's there. So our thing that keeps us up at night is here we are in a system this valuable, And if it's not reinvested in, in a timely manner, and none of this happens overnight, if we had another $5 billion tomorrow, just think how long it takes to get the contracts, to get the construction going, to get it completed. You're looking at five to 10 years out just to get that money on the ground, product and place built, and then start using it. Is there any money for this investment in the new bill that's going through the Senate and the House that they're talking about in D.C. right now? It is hard to chase that rabbit, but yes, the, the short answer is there are monies that can, that could be used. Could be. That could be used. And then again, it takes the same kind of hard work, both at the AGC level and at the congressional level and at the federal agency level to make sure that money is available to invest in these high-value infrastructure projects. And I would imagine that's a lot of what you and your folks are working on is staying in touch with Congress, staying in touch with what's going on in D.C. to make sure that that actually does happen, the investment actually gets made. Exactly. Supporting the need, describing the need, telling the story of how that project development and what it cost in time and space and what it cost up front to get it started. But at the same time, working with our national AGC to assure that regulations and other things aren't just oppressing us and causing so much lost opportunity and lost uh, efficiency in the system that we're not able to build something that's productive for the nation. And I would guess you work with a lot of partners, whether it's agriculture, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's all the people who benefit from that 
very efficient movement of goods and services. The farm bureaus, the soybean associations, the states, the entities, the state governments that have to worry about their system flooding and opportunity, economic opportunities with navigation and transportation. So yes, all those have a great need for someone to keep them on the same page. While states are interested in generally, most of the time their state, they're highly connected through this river system. What happens upstream impacts downstream. What happens across the river impacts the other side of the river. And so, and sometimes it's a challenge because one of them thinks the one state thinks the other state is getting a benefit or imposing a harm, possibly. I would guess specifically in the areas of flood control or port construction or things like that. Yeah. When you build a port on one side of the river, people look over there and go over there. And then, of course, you know you have development on that side of the river. And just like building a highway system through a certain area, there are benefits to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, that is a challenge. But in the big picture, people win when infrastructure connects the river, with the highway system, with the bridge system, with the air transportation system, with the trains. When you put all those together, you have an economic engine that is unmatched. I mean, people cannot compete when you're able to use those resources effectively. Someone made a comment to me one time that you can put an airport anywhere, you can put a road anywhere, but you're not going to move that river. That river is there. And the investment you make in that river cannot be equaled by any other investment you make. It's such a huge thing that I really believe the public doesn't pay attention to or resonate. They sort of take it for granted and don't understand the real work that goes on there. We do, and it is such an asset. And we we primarily talk about the values of the transportation system, which are off the charts. But the value of having that resource recharging and affecting groundwater and that groundwater affecting where you continue to build in large cities like a Memphis area where the Sparta Aquifer, which is a fabulous resource, draws in FedEx, draws in international paper, draws in those big businesses and organizations because the groundwater source, the water source right there and you're on the big river, and you're connected to an airport. So all those things, the St. Louis of the world, the Memphis of the world, and St. Paul's of the world, when you connect the right resources together and you keep them viable, your future is very bright. Well, Steve, I wish you the best of luck. I wish you total success in getting those investments made and continuing to help us make the quality of life better for everybody in America. Lynn, thank you so much. And we are so grateful for our relationship with AGC Missouri. It is just a a blessing to be able to work together on things that matter for this nation. So thanks for what you do here. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.